Welcome to another episode of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. We've got a special episode today. We're talking about James Harden, the newest member of the Brooklyn Nets, forming a super team with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. This is why we're going to talk about what it means for each of these three players, what it means for the Brooklyn Nets franchise, and what it means for the landscape of the National Basketball Association, both the Eastern Conference and the overall NBA championship. So without further ado, let's get into it. James Harden was adamant about wanting out of Houston for a long time. Now he finally got his wish after getting thrashed in back-to-back games by LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. This man, LeBron James, literally turning around before the three-point shot went in and showboating and just having his way all throughout the game, both games against the Houston Rockets. The Lakers blew them out of the gym, out of their home gym, and that was just enough. Harden had it, and he requested that his trade be done as soon as possible he's been doing all these things going to the strip clubs everything like that because he's been wanting to get out of this place so badly he knows he can't win with his team he's had several comments and statements just saying the team simply isn't good enough we're going to get into that get into did the rockets owe harden more could they have done more and surround him with better pieces whatnot was harden just not the guy to get it done and deliver the goods and what does it mean for brooklyn moving forward and harden to me is right in the sense that he can't win in Houston. We've seen it for so many years, and I said before the season started, it was basically going to be a similar result as we've seen in years past, probably even a worse result than we've seen the past couple years. I believe this team, if they would have stayed that throughout the season, was battling for a playoff spot as is a 7 or 8 seed in the Western Conference. you got a lot of parts that are not exactly in their primes and not exactly great basketball fits together. We've seen them in years past do several runs, Houston's given him, James Harden, that being so much star power over the years. We're talking about Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, John Wall now, and even a guy like Christian Wood probably compliments him more than anyone he's ever played with, but obviously they only played together for about 10, 11 games max. Uh, And we're going to talk about basically how these different pieces fared with James Harden. Dwight Howard, it just was not a great pairing. Uh, They didn't really do much together i mean they did have a western conference finals appearance Harden led a team to the western conference finals twice one time with chris paul and then one time before when we were talking about just the steph curry led golden state warriors team with clay thompson and draymond green um and, and really russell westbrook was a guy that was brought in after chris paul because james harden wanted russell westbrook over chris paul despite him having the most success of his nba career with chris paul taking the Golden State Warriors to the brink, pushing them to seven games. And if it wasn't for Chris Paul getting injured in that series, a lot of people believe, not me, but a lot of people believe the Houston Rockets would have won that series. Obviously, Andre Godala got injured too for the Golden State Warriors. And we don't really know. It's all hypothetical what would have happened if Chris Paul would have stayed healthy. But all the momentum was on the Houston Rockets side. And they even had a chance to win that series before missing 27 straight threes. And it was Really a tough way to go out. James Harden and company underperformed even without Chris Paul having an opportunity to win that series. But yeah, after that, he was basically came back the next year. and Chris Paul really wasn't quite the same. He was coming back from that injury. And then he was spotting up in the corner a lot. James Harden was doing his dribble things. James Harden was putting up monster scoring totals and really just carrying that team to where they were at. And then when it came to the playoffs, Chris Paul wasn't able to have the same impact. This is a guy who should be having the ball in his hands more. He's a floor general. He's a guy 
that is a great playmaker. He can read the defense extremely well, but he was more regulated to standing in the corner and being a spot-up shooter and being a secondary ball handler to James Harden, and it just did not work out that second year. And you could put a little bit of that blame on Chris Paul not being quite the same player that he was in his first year, but still it was also the role when Chris Paul came back into the fold of James Harden being so ball dominant and not really allowing Chris Paul to manipulate the game like he can. And people will say, oh, Chris Paul was washed at the time. No, we saw what he did in Oklahoma City. They had the same record as Harden's Rockets the next year, a team that many did not project to make the playoffs whatsoever, was right in the thick of things in the Western Conference. They pushed the Houston Rockets to seven games, and Chris Paul had an incredible bounce-back season. So it wasn't like the Chris Paul was washed. It was just the role Chris Paul was being used in and just the timing of everything. It just was not the best in the second year. But we got to give Harden a lot of credit for the places he's led this Houston Rockets team, he completely transformed this franchise into basically a team that was an afterthought in the Western Conference picture to a playoff team. Every single year, Harden was on the squad. They had a couple conference finals appearances. They had a couple second-round exits, and they had a couple first-round exits. But Harden was great in the regular season, putting up monster numbers. And then we go to the playoffs. His efficiency did take a pretty big hit, and he wasn't great in elimination games. We just have to keep it a full stack. Uh, he became more predictable in the playoffs. D'Antoni had that system where he really allowed Harden to dominate the ball and put up those monster stats. And Daryl Morey, the general manager, surrounded him with shooters. Uh, and he was basically able to do his ISO drive and kick style of play. But that style of play with Harden as the main guy, it became predictable in the postseason. Teams were able to scheme and game plan against it. A lot of trapping, a lot of double teaming, getting the ball out of Harden's hands and making him settle for a step back jumper. And at the end of the day, it just was not enough to get it done. He came very close on numerous occasions, but at the end of the day, he was not able uh, to get the job done. He wasn't able to even make the NBA Finals, which obviously is not, not a – slight to him because he had to go up against some really stacked teams. He went up against the Golden State Warriors, went up against the Los Angeles Lakers. So not only did he lose to teams that were better than him, but to me, he also lost to teams that the best player on the other squad had a less predictable play style and usually just a better overall talent. When we talk about Stephen Curry, he was just better than James Harden. Yeah, he had a better team too, but he was as an individual player and an individual performer. He's more impactful to the team game. I'd rather build a championship team around Steph Curry than I would James Harden. Same deal with LeBron James and same deal with Kawhi Leonard. These are guys he was losing to. Obviously, Kevin Durant teamed up with Steph Curry. He never Harden never really faced uh, the Oklahoma City big three. or well, He was a part of the big three at first, but he never faced KD and Russell Westbrook. Uh, in the playoffs, you just faced Russell Westbrook uh, when, when it was Westbrook's MVP year. So not really including KD as much in this discussion because he was kind of – it was a 1B type deal, him and Steph Curry, uh, for that team that he pushed to the brink. Um, but, yeah, even the KD, if you want to throw him in there, he's a more ideal piece to build a championship squad around than a James Harden. And we can't just – chop it down to lack of help, lack of supporting cast, the other teams were better. That's part of it, but also we have to talk about Harden's performance, that his efficiency overall, both from the field and from three-point range, it just took a dip. And he was a below-average uh, scorer from the field in terms of his efficiency. He's obviously still able to give you 30-plus points per game. He's still one of the best scorers, one of the most unguardable players in the league. But his efficiency just took a dip. 
and it cannot be ignored what he did in the elimination games, the type of stinking games he had. Uh, obviously, the infamous one against the San Antonio Spurs in game six with no Kawhi Leonard, and you can just go down the line. There's a lot of those uh, instances. But James Harden's finally able to move on to a different situation, be able to legitimately compete for a championship in a role that I've said for years now he's more suited as an elite number two option than being a number one option because the ideal number one options on a championship team are LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Kawhi Leonard. Okay, and now he's playing with one of those four guys. He's playing with a Kevin Durant, and the Brooklyn team – they're just all about buckets, okay? They tripled down on that philosophy. They paired three of the most individually unguardable players in the league on one team. To me, KD's, like I said before, is going to be the number one option. Harden's going to be the number two option. And I believe he's going to be the lead playmaker. KD will be the lead scorer. I think Harden, in this situation, he'll have a lot of minutes throughout the game where he's the lead guy of the second unit. He's able to create the majority of the offense for the second unit. He's going to start the game, obviously, with the starters. And he's going to close the game, but kind of like his six-man role in Houston, he's going to combine, or excuse me, in Oklahoma City, he's going to combine that with what he was doing in Houston, basically having an offense completely centered around him uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, uh, the Houston Rockets, they lost Daryl Morey. He went to Philadelphia, and then Mike D'Antoni actually is in Brooklyn. So it, it was really just time for Harden to get out of there, and now he's going to be able to be reunited with Daryl Morey. And Steve Nash as a coach is going to be really good for his game. He knows how to thrive as the lead ball handler in a Mike D'Antoni system. So I think it's going to all come together really well for James Harden. Uh, and this is a phenomenal situation for him. He's going to be able to have control when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are off the floor. And when they are on the floor, he's going to work on having to be more of an off-ball player. He wasn't very good. He really, really didn't buy into moving without the basketball in Houston. He just always wanted the ball in his hands and wanted to do the same thing uh, on most occasions, which made for the predictability for the defense. But now playing with two other elite offensive weapons that are not just spot-up shooters standing in the corner, he's going to have to adapt a little bit, come off of pin downs a little bit more, cut to the basket, do some other things out there, which I think he is capable of doing because he does have – uh, the mind of a great offensive weapon. And then Kyrie Irving is going to be the number three option in this equation. Obviously, there's some question marks about the off-the-court stuff with where he's been at and whatnot. It's not great for optics, but hopefully Kyrie can be back and buy in with this team. He would be the number three option, and he would be the lead closer to me. I've said numerous times on this podcast and on all my platforms, I believe Kyrie Irving's the best closer in the NBA if there's anyone to take a shot for a game or take shots to will me to a win down the stretch, I would want Kyrie Irving. His skill set is off the charts. And, and like I said, with these three guys, you got the most individually unguardable scorer in the game in Kevin Durant. You got one of the top bucket generators in the game in James Harden, who is also elite, probably the best at, at getting points from the free throw line in the whole NBA. And you have Kyrie Irving, who's the most skilled player individually skilled player in the game. So you got some crazy offensive talent on this squad and everyone's talking about, oh, there's only one basketball, but all three of these guys can score from all three levels. They can't be doubled consistently playing together on the court and they can make plays for others when necessary. All of these guys are capable of giving you about five assists a game. Okay. So they're going to be able to move the ball. And especially if they trust each other and they buy in with one another, they know they have other elite weapons that are almost as elite in certain aspects as themselves. So they'll be willing to give 
those other guys some touches, and I think it will work out very fine. Uh, the shooting aspect is very critical when we talk about like the hypothetical Russell Westbrook, Harden, Durant thing. It wouldn't have worked as well as this will work because Westbrook's a non-shooter, and you don't really have to respect him from distance, but you have to respect each of these guys from distance and pretty much anywhere on the court. So it's going to be very, very lethal in that aspect. Uh, KD, I've said before, like I wasn't the biggest fan of him joining a 73-win team, a team that had the unanimous MVP. I just didn't believe that his rings with that team really proved that he was the best player in the world like he and many others wanted to lead on to. But at least in this situation, he's actually finally able to build a super team and still, instead of joining an established championship core. It's still kind of taking the easy way out in some aspects, you could say. I mean, because we were looking forward to seeing this duo of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I believe them alone, with the depth that they would have had before, could have taken this team to the NBA Finals. Now, would they have been able to beat the Los Angeles Lakers? I don't believe so. But at the end of the day, if KD was the best player on the planet, that team in that matchup would have been very, very close. And I get he was coming off an Achilles injury, but I got to give big props to Kevin Durant because he looks incredible. He looks damn near the same that he looked before the Achilles injury. So we got we to clap it up to him in that aspect. But then if you're fully healthy, I mean, there shouldn't really be anything stopping you from trying to reclaim that crown as best player on the planet. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to crown himself as best player on the planet playing with another stacked super team, you know? So we'll see how this plays out uh, when it, when it comes to the Eastern conference, I think they should still win the Eastern conference with relative ease. Uh, and I still believe, I think KD will actually be the driving force of this team as opposed to golden state, because they haven't really done anything together. They're still building it from the ground up, which I can respect. It's kind of like the Miami Heat big three in that aspect. LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade, they actually had to build it from the ground up. So that's why I will respect uh, potential rings for Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. But it would have been even better for Kevin Durant's legacy if he could win with just Kyrie Irving, you know. But I, I, I honestly don't even think that this squad, at least this year and potentially even next year, is going to win the NBA championship just because we have to talk about the other team that's a legitimate championship contender and arguably a championship favorite when we talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. And when we ask about what this move means for the landscape of the league, the first person whose name comes up a lot of times is LeBron James. And LeBron haters or whatever, people get tired of LeBron. They're so pissed about hearing that. But, I mean, duh. He's the reigning unanimous finals MVP. He's been the best player in the league for over a decade, and he's playing with the best big man in the game on a historic Lakers franchise who was clearly the championship favorites before this trade, transaction, whatever you want to call it, happened. So, duh, he's going to be the first person that whose name comes up because we want to see whether the Brooklyn Nets can win a championship. And in order for the Brooklyn Nets to win a championship, you got to go through the Los Angeles Lakers. For optics' sake, it doesn't help. The, the anti this this matters because of LeBron argument when literally James Harden's last two games as a Houston Rocket were against the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James and the gentleman swept Houston Rockets of last season the past postseason came at the hands of LeBron James so yes he wasn't the only one that that advocated or really accelerated would be a better use of the term James Harden's leave of the Houston Rockets because obviously Steph Curry 
and the Golden State Warriors were the team that dogged them more than the Lakers, who were only really there for one year. But we know the history between LeBron James and Kevin Durant, with Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors to get himself onto the championship scene. And you knew he had to go through LeBron James back in 2016 with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So this storyline, Kyrie Irving obviously trying to win without LeBron James. He won his last championship and was at the peak of his career, of his powers in 2016 with LeBron James. So these are all things that that come into the equation. It comes full circle with this. Uh, obviously, there's more reasons for these guys teaming up than just, oh, we need to beat LeBron, whatever. LeBron's not the only person on the Lakers. we got to put that in perspective. LeBron has a lot of help around him this time. He's not just stuck and stranded in Cleveland, you know. So it's an interesting conversation to have, but I just don't think – that the Nets have enough to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, they they have the talent with their three guys, but they don't have the size to match the Lakers. Their defense can't match up with the Lakers. And the completeness on both ends of the floor that the Los Angeles Lakers possess, in addition to their star power, it means they won't be able to just outscore the Lakers like they can with every other team in the league. When you combine star power offense and defense, and you're pretty much elite at all three of those things, it's tough to, to not say you're going to win the championship with the best player, the best duo, an elite top five defense and a top five offense. Like, that's that's nuts, and they have great depth around those guys. Uh, I just don't think the Nets are as complete, even with their trio that is, is more potent. They have more star power than just two guys in L.A., but it's still not enough to make up the difference in some of those other aspects. Uh, but I do believe that being said, and people will say, how is this possible? I believe if the Nets don't win a title, it's a terrible look because you have three elite superstar level players that are teaming up that all need, at this point, need to win a championship for their legacies. Okay, Kevin Durant did not win a championship in Oklahoma City. He has two championships and two finals MVPs, but they were all playing alongside Steph Curry and the established Golden State Warriors dynasty that won a championship and then won 73 games without him. Okay, so Kevin Durant needs to win a championship to to validate his legacy as the guy, the lead guy in the championship team. And we're talking about the best players we've ever seen as an individual talent. Kevin Durant will be in that conversation. But in terms of the best players in the league at elevating a team, and that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about ranking players. Um, Kevin Durant's going to need to win a ring as the main guy, the undisputed main guy for a lot of people to support that claim. Uh, James Harden, he needs to win a ring, period. He knows that. That's why he's in Brooklyn. Okay, He wants to win an NBA championship, and he wasn't able to get that done for the Houston Rockets, whatever the reason may be, as we touched on earlier. If he can't win with this super team, it's a terrible look. Okay, it it means something about James Harden as a player, and it will confirm a lot of the things I've said before. And even as a number two, I I do believe he can be your championship level number two. But he clearly has not done anything to prove that he's a championship level number one, despite the individual greatness. And then Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving wants to win a championship without LeBron James. Right. He wanted to prove that he could have his own team. He wanted to have his own team with the Boston Celtics. That didn't work out. He came to the Brooklyn Nets. He's looked really good in the games he's actually played for the Brooklyn Nets. But if he's now your number three option and he has Kevin Durant and James Harden alongside him and he still can't win a championship without LeBron James, that's a bad look. So 
regardless, even if I'm saying they're not necessarily the championship favorites, I still think the Lakers have the best roster from top to bottom. When you make this move, when you go all in, when you trade all your draft picks, you trade four draft picks and four pick swaps, you're going all in to win an NBA championship, okay? And if this group does not win an NBA championship, it's a bad look, okay? However you want to spin it, it's going to be a bad, bad look. But I will give them credit if they do win a championship, regardless of three historically great players being on one team and the fact that it is a super team, they still get their props, just like the Miami Heat Big Three, just like the Celtics Big Three in recent history. They will get credit for having to build something from the ground up and making it work with these talents. And I bet they will all ball out in the NBA playoffs. And I bet they will provide us with some great entertainment, some great competitive basketball. It will be a joy to watch on a night-in, night-out basis. I think it will work, unlike a lot of people. I think they will go to the NBA Finals. I do believe they will be a perennial contender as long as these three are on the same team. I think Steve Nash is a great coach to blend these personalities and make it work offensively. They do still have some decent depth. I mean, guys like Joe Harris and Landry Shamick can shoot the ball from the perimeter. Bruce Brown's a good defensive guard. Jeff Green's a solid, versatile forward for them as well. DeAndre Jordan, although he's a little bit past his prime, he can still be a solid contributor. So they do have a couple other pieces uh, alongside those three. Man, when you have three superstars of that caliber, you're going to be a threat to win an NBA championship. So that's going to do it, guys. That's basically my thoughts on James Harden, the whole Houston thing. Now he's finally in Brooklyn. We'll see what happens. Let me know what you guys think. I'm out. Peace.